Church, I'd like to talk about a concept that I'm calling promise culture and what it means for us as believers. Uh, In our last conversation, we talked about uh, developing cultures and how the actions, the way people treat one another, uh, the values that we hold create the culture around us. And it just struck me this week that um, the core of a Christian culture are the promises that we make. The Bible calls those covenants. Uh, The core of God's nature is that he's a covenantal God. He makes promises to generations and generations and keeps his promises to generations of those who love him. Um, Churches, when they come together, I even printed out ours, usually have church covenants. What are we actually promising to one another? Uh, It helps define what our expectations, what can we rightfully expect from one another, and when have we broken those promises, what things are we not promising to. It it took me even further and made me think about uh, the Ten Commandments. I usually think of those as like uh, commands from God to us, but a, a better way to understand them is in the form of a treaty, a covenantal treaty between God and the people that he has delivered out of slavery, the people that he has called, the people that he has saved. And what is the promise exchange between those two parties? One superior party, one uh, inferior party who has been saved and now is indebted to God. Uh, So what promises are made each way? And when you look at the Ten Commandments, really the promises that God asks for us to make to him are promising to just put him first, right? No gods, don't misuse his name, no idols. Um, Promises to keep our covenants with each other in marriage, you know, no adultery. Keep your promises. It's a promise culture that God is building through the Ten Commandments, through his covenant with the people uh, in the Old Testament, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Jewish nation, and then on into Christ. Uh, What are some of the other promises in the Ten Commandments? You know, children promise that you will respect your parents, that you you will keep trust in them, and that you will be faithful to them. Um, Promise not to bear false witness, not to lie, not to slander the people around you. Promise not to take things that don't belong to you. And when you look at the Ten Commandments actually developing a promise culture, then it's not just the dictates, just the law, you know, this is what we have to do. And if we don't do here, are the repercussions is like God saying, this is the culture I'm trying to define. This define, this reflects my character. And so I want you to make promises And I want you to promise to be this way, to act this way, to love this way. And then we will develop this culture where no one's afraid of this stuff getting taken. Because we've just promised with one another that we won't steal. And no one's afraid of someone lying to them because we promised with one another we don't act that way. God is not that way. And so we want to reflect Him as being made in His image. So promise culture there. And I think it's a beautiful way to look at the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament covenant. Covenant is a treaty. It's a contract. So if you fast forward to Christ and say, well, what's the contract between Christ and his people? All right, well, love your neighbor. Love God with everything you have. You say, well, what a great promise to make. What if we just promise that we're going to love the people around us who are in need? People who love God, people who don't love God. We're going to love God with everything we have. We're not going to put other things above Him. We're not going to put our children above God. We're going to love Him first, and our children and our families will come second 
in behind our faithfulness and worship of God. Um, we're not going to put money ahead of God because uh, he's in charge and the money will come and the money will go. Uh, but we don't want to make decisions based on money. We want to make decisions based on God and that'll inform how we use our money. Um, but what a great set of promises that is. Instead of that just being the law of love, the royal law, uh, New Testament calls it, love God and love your neighbor. It's a, it's a promise culture. You know, it's a, a culture of promising that I will be dependable to you, my wife, you know, someone's husband, children, parents. We will be dependable. We'll be faithful for you. Trust is built around the keeping of these promises. And that's why all through the Old Testament, New Testament, whenever we talk about lack of faith, going after other idols and... Um, apostasy, all these kind of rejections of God, the parallel he always makes is to adultery and to breaking a covenant. He calls it breaking faith when it's with a marriage that splits and you know, adultery and divorce uh, or whether it's walking away from God, it's called breaking faith. It's a, it's a beautiful term. But that faith is faith in the promises, in the keeping of the things that we have pledged to one another. So the scripture I wanted to read that just makes it clear that we need to covenant with one another and renew our covenants, our promises with one another, if we're going to have this culture of promise keeping and promise making, was the one that Joshua, uh, the statement that Joshua made, the, the challenge that Joshua gave to the people of God after they had crossed over into the promised land, they'd fought a few battles, they'd started to establish, and then the inheritance was laid out. Right? They'd gone through the crossing, they'd gone through the exodus, and now they're in the land. They have more battles to fight. But before we go any further, choose today whom you will serve. And he said, we've been in Egypt. We know what gods are there. You can choose to follow them and practice their practices, create their culture, Egyptian culture, all over again here. We're also coming into a land of foreigners where they have their own customs, their own cultures. You can choose to adopt their culture. But he says, as for me and my household... Now, the Greek word for that in the Septuagint and then in the New Testament uh, is oikos. Uh, the oikos, the household of God, a household of faith. Another beautiful phrase we can dig into a little bit. But he says, we will choose to serve the Lord. That will be our culture. Our culture will be the promise makers to God and God's promise keeping to us. So I just wanted to read that scripture as kind of an example of a leader so maybe you're a parent, you're a leader in your family. Maybe you're an adult in a church that makes you a leader, one of the Christian adults in that church. Maybe you're an elder, maybe you're hosting a backyard worship and you're a facilitator of conversation. Maybe you're discipling and teaching. Um, or maybe you're just listening and learning. Maybe you're following, maybe you're exploring. All these people are in this challenge. They have to respond according to their own home. Uh, and so Joshua just challenges them and says, Therefore, fear the Lord. This is Joshua 24, verse 14. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And it, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods that your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. 
For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way he went, we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So they renew the covenant, right? They've been given, they renewed their promises to say, no, today in this land, in this new season, we will serve the Lord. And I kind of feel like for us, we, we had a land that we were living in pre-coronavirus. Uh, and then we entered into this, this battle stage, this, you know, crossing over. But I feel like now we're in the new land and uh, things are different. Some in minor ways, some in big ways, some for the worse, some for the better, but things are just different. And so this week it's been on my heart to challenge each of us to renew the covenant with one another. You know, if you're listening to this as part of a backyard home worship time, I challenge you to have some questions at the end of this. I'd love for you to ask each other, what promises do you make to one another? Because those covenants, those promises will define your culture. If you promise to do things like pray for one another, Well, then you have to do that. Otherwise, you break faith. You break trust. But every time we keep trust, every time we keep faith, every time we follow through our faithful and a promise, we're actually reflecting the image of God, the ultimate promise keeper. I think we can even have a testimony in the world that is not overtly or explicitly religious, but is God-honoring and will lead people to Christ just by being the kind of people that keep our promises. From the simplest things like, I promise to be at this place at this time. Now, some of us run a little late, that's fine, but the no call and no show, that's not godly, that's not Christ-like because you made a promise. You know, don't make all these promises and oaths. Jesus said, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say something, you mean it. Because when God says something, he means it. And we as parents sometimes can be uh, sketchy on this a little bit with our kids. Or we say something, we don't really mean it. What does that instill in our kids? It instills the understanding. Like sometimes mom and dad mean something, sometimes they don't. Like if we say something, we have to mean it every time. Because we said it. We don't just talk to talk. Our words, our covenants, our words, our promises... When God said he would send a Messiah, all these promises, you know, all fulfilled in the life of Christ. And the Bible says, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Like it's fulfillment, promise kept. And then Jesus said, I promise to send you the Holy Spirit so have God's word in your heart. He'll lead you and direct you like a compass through your life. It'll be a seal so that when this life is over and this body dies, that your soul will go to be to God forever. That's Christ's promises Through his blood, he purchased the rights to our lives. And if we submit to him, we're incorporated into his kingdom and we become part of the kingdom now and we live eternally in heaven with him. Like that's the promises of God, the promises of Christ, the promises of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of peace, as the giving us the words to say, uh, as the, the counselor, right? The helper. This is the promises. These are the promises of God. There are many, many more. And I'd love for you to think about what are all the promises of God. What are all the promises of the Holy Spirit to us? From Isaiah's prophecies and uh, all the way through to Jesus' prophecies and the Gospel of John. What are Jesus' promises? And then as a church, as Christian to Christian, what do we promise each other? Because it's going to be in keeping those promises 
that we grow to trust each other. And if there is no trust between each other, we cannot serve the Lord in unity. We'll be unwilling to say something for fear of being judged by the people around us. That's not a culture of trust. That's not a safe place. But it'd be precisely unsafe if we said something once and these people that promised to treat us well judge us when we share something vulnerably. And guess what? We're not going to probably share again in that context because the culture there is not one of keeping faith. We do this to our kids, to our spouses. You know, when we, we throw back at them their own words or we bring back time bombs. I remember in the past you said this and now you're doing this. Like we're creating a culture there that's not safe because we're not keeping our promises to each other. But it's based on what the promises are. Different churches have different covenants. I wanted to read the New Hope Church covenant here because I wondered how closely it would relate to us in this new season. If we're meeting in smaller home gatherings... Do these same covenantal promises hold true? You know, if we don't see each other except once a month or occasionally or a couple times a month as a larger church body, and even then it's not everyone in our church family, you know, it's not the 120 or the 70. If we're more in our 12s, how can we covenant with one another that we will be there for one another, that we love each other, that we are safe to be with, that we will keep our promises, that we will care about one another? Like, this is what makes family, this is what makes a household of faith. So let me just read the, the New Hope Covenant and challenge you to think whether there could be a covenant that you could come up with as a family. What's your family covenant? What do you promise your kids? What do your kids promise each other, promise you? What do you promise your spouse? What are you promised? You know, make our covenants and then keep them. And we need to renew the covenant. There's covenant renewals throughout scripture. So it's not once and done, it's renewal. So hear this for some ideas for us to consider. The New Hope Christian Chapel Church Covenant says, Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, and on the public or private profession of our faith, we do now in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into agreement with one another as one body in Christ. We pledge, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge and in holiness and in comfort, and to promote its prosperity and its spirituality, to use and develop our spiritual gifts, to sustain its worship, its ordinances, its discipline, and its doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry and the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We further promise to watch over and to build up one another in brotherly love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in times of sickness, and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation. Furthermore, we agree to submit to the spiritual leaders in authority over us as outlined in scriptures. So everybody who's become a member of New Hope has signed this. It said, this is what I promise. And we do it as kind of like a, a covenantal vow exchange, you know, in, in corporate services where... We ask questions of the new members and they say, we will. And church, will you promise these things to them as well? And the church responds with, we will. And then we pray over it. It's, it's a vow type ceremony, similar to a wedding or something like that. We need those vow ceremonies. Otherwise, we have not really given our word. 
And this is where a lot of us kind of become floaters, if I could use that term. We float into a church, we float into a friend circle, maybe with your backyard gathering, you're kind of floating in, you're half in, you're half out. You don't reach out to the other members in the group unless they reach out to you first. You come some of the time, but not all the time. When you're there, you share some of your thoughts, but not all your thoughts. Like That will only go so far. You're keeping yourself at a, at a superficial level of what Christian community is meant to be. Now, a real covenant means we care about each other and we would die for each other. We'd give each other the shirt off our back and we would we'll keep our word. So if I tell you I'll do this, I'll do it. If I recognize you need something, I'm going to meet that need. And then, as we keep these promises, that culture develops. And we talked about culture as good and negative in our last conversation. Um, we sort of thought about how can we love, how can we treat one. All of those things are based in expectation. Do I anticipate that this group of people has my back? Do I anticipate that I can share anything with this group of people? Because that expectation is based upon my experience. And when we break those trusts, they need to be renewed through apology, reconciliation, and renewal. If we found that in your marriage, if we found that between you and parents, between you and neighbors, you and brothers and sisters in Christ, there's always the like, Right, I see where I've broken faith here and I'm sorry. I don't want it to stay that way. Can we make it right? But then it's, I covenant again. We renew this covenant and that's how it is with us and each other. It's how it needs to be with us and God each day, like a daily promising uh, of all the things that we, we love God for and the ways we want to love Him. A desire of our heart, not a compulsion of law but a desire to love. So I encourage you to think of your faith as a series of promises rather than a series of laws. I encourage you to think about the church as a promise culture. And as we keep our promises to each other in the household of faith, we will become influential in the world around us because people's expectation in this world is that nobody's word matters. Nobody keeps their promises. Marriages don't last. So even though you promise to love until death do us part, that just doesn't matter. You just said those words. They don't, we don't keep those promises, right? It's just what you say in the ceremony. Uh, we make contracts and we break them. Uh, employers make contracts with us for employment and then they break them. Uh, we leave and we get a better job and we break those contracts. Uh, we, we have all sorts of breaking of promises. You know, we, we listen to politicians on TV and we're like, I don't know what to believe or what not to believe. We, we anticipate the culture of America anticipates lack of trustworthiness, inability to definitely believe what's being said to us without kind of like watching it for a little bit. And I think in New England, there's a heightened sense of that just by our New England culture, a little bit more hardened maybe, a little more skeptical. So we have to fight against that because we need to be people that make our promises and keep them. And we need to be known for that. It needs to be our reputation because we are of the household of God. And in God's house, we just promise each other as much as we can. As much as we can imagine, promise it to one another and then we keep it. And when we don't, we feel badly about it. We don't just be like, ah, well, that's how it is. No. We, we apologize and we reconcile and we renew the covenant. So... I challenge you in your group to talk about and maybe even work out a covenant with each other. How would you build it? What would be in it? What are the things that you'd really want promised to you? Do it like a little workshop, a little, you know, team building activity. How about with the family? Sit down and let's build a family covenant. Maybe you've done it before. Maybe you have very sort of understood expectations. So put them down. Sign your names to the bottom of it and say you promise. And then guess what? When we as parents break the covenant and our young child says, yeah, but you promised you wouldn't. 
We don't defend ourselves. We don't justify. We teach them how to apologize because we have all agreed that this covenant is what we want our family to look like, what we want the household of faith to look like. And we're going to fight to protect that because this document here, this document here is so precious to us that we'd give our lives to preserve it. And we know we will fail, but it's not based on us. It's based upon us coming together around Christ and saying he is good. So think about the things that God has promised you. What are the promises of God in scripture? Ah, that's a beautiful exercise. Search out and list, print out maybe, all the promises of God. What are the promises of Jesus? That he will return, that he will give us his Holy Spirit. Like, so what are all the promises of Christ? Print them out. Meditate on those. And then as a church family, as a body of Christians, you know, whether that's a home nuclear family or whether it's a backyard, you know, your 12, your, your small group of apostles, your band of disciples, uh, whether it's a larger church, what actually are we promising to? Do we promise to have spiritual conversations and not just to talk about the weather? Do we promise to look out for each other and if we see each other slipping to care enough to say, how are you doing? And then to show up again and again afterwards until the person has regained their footing. We need to be a promise culture. God creates promise culture. He is a series of promises based upon his inability to lie or to fail. And how beautiful would it be if we weren't even able to lie, weren't even able to fail. Um, the more and more that we reflect God, we will be that way. We'll shine that way. And the world needs promise keepers and a promise culture. So I challenge you to think through what that looks like for you and to build a promise culture wherever you go this week. May God bless you.